welcome back to Bible Unlock. You're listening to your host, Pastor Zlatan. In the next few episodes, we are going to study the book of Habakkuk. And so I ask you prayerfully to sit back, relax, and stay tuned. It's good to have you here with us. I invite you to take out your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk chapter 1. Please feel free to pause at any time so that you can follow through the entire chapter. If you're not able to follow with us, I strongly encourage you that when you get a chance, take time to read this book. There are these two terms that we use to describe the Old Testament prophetic books. We have the major prophets and the minor prophets. And that's simply a way for us to divide the Old Testament prophetic books. So we have five major prophetic books, and those are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then we have 12 minor prophets, and I won't name all of them, but those are some of the shorter books. And uh, you have books like Jonah, Micah, Habakkuk. And if you've ever heard this term before, it's not a big deal. It's, It's just something that we use to explain and describe and to just categorize these books but the major prophets are described as major because their books are longer and in, and they and in those books we have more content and then the minor prophets they're described as minor and i think you can take a guess because the books are shorter so that's that's literally it there is nothing um theological or really deep about it but the point of it is whether you are reading a major prophet or a minor prophet they are all super important and crucial for us. And uh, depending what you're reading, minor prophets, major prophets, they are very significant for us, very valuable for us, and they still have relevant messages for us today. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1. Now, here's the thing about Habakkuk. We don't really know much about Habakkuk. On a personal level and Habakkuk is an unusual prophetic book and I'll tell you why normally when you had a prophet of God he was always sent out to a king or to a people and uh, normally the prophets they would warn Israel or they would warn the kings of coming judgment but the reason why Habakkuk is different is because we get to really read and we get to study on what's going on in his personal life. So the book is really focused on his personal struggle that he has with God. So he lived in the final moments of Israel's southern kingdom, which is Judah. And Judah was overtaken by Babylon. So just before Babylon captured Judah, we have the ministry of Habakkuk. And so that's the time frame that that he's in. And the book is very simple. The outline of the book is pretty simple. It starts off with Habakkuk's first complaint. He has a complaint that he addresses to God. And then we have God answering the prophet, followed by Habakkuk's second complaint. And then God answers. And in chapter chapter 3, the book concludes in Habakkuk praying. And so he writes this powerful prayer that basically summarizes what his eternal struggle is. So... We're going to start right away from verse 1, and uh, I'm going to be using the NIV, but feel free to use any other translation to follow along. So verse 1 says, The prophecy that 
that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. So the very first thing that we see is that Habakkuk received the message from God. But this word prophecy that's translated in the NIV, I don't know if I really like the, the word prophecy. I like how the New King James Version translates this word better because they say the burden that the prophet Habakkuk saw. And so the meaning of the word is much richer. And, and what the word means in itself is that it is a load or a burden or lifting, something that he is lifting or something that he is holding on to. And so Habakkuk has this heavy heart. He has this burden that's on his heart. And so he begins to write the book by telling us that whatever he's about to say is going to be heavy. And so the first verse already sets that tone for us that what he's about to say is not going to be something easy and it's not going to be something that's going to be easy to swallow. So let me just say this. You know, whatever burden you have, whatever challenge you have, whatever unanswered question you have, you and I are not alone. Okay? Here we have a prophet of God, someone who follows God, a messenger of God, and yet his heart is heavy and yet, when he's confronted with life and circumstances, and though he can't seem to comprehend it, he doesn't give up on his faith. And that's a reminder for us that we don't have to feel like we're the only ones going through this. When we're confused and frustrated, we can't lose faith. We can be encouraged to know, just like Habakkuk, we can overcome whatever struggle and frustration is going in our in our life. And so I like how the book begins that the burden that Habakkuk saw. So he saw something that was really heavy on his heart. And verse 2 begins to unravel what this complaint that the prophet has. So we can read verse 2. And verse 2 says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? So the very first thing that Habakkuk says is, I'm praying to you, God. And you're not listening to me. Now, I can relate to what he is saying because there's been so many times in my life when I've prayed or I've asked God or I've seeked them out and it seems like he's not listening to me. And it seems like he's not there for me. And so Habakkuk, it's so, he's so real with God. And I think that's why I, I appreciate this book. He's so real and honest with himself by saying, Lord, I feel like you're not listening to me. And many times when we talk about Christianity, we give this false sense of security. You know, God will answer all your prayers. God will give you the desires of your heart. God will heal you and give you finances. And he'll do, you know, what you want, how you want it. But here we have the opposite happening where Habakkuk is praying and he feels like God's not doing anything about the situation he's in. Now, I want to just address this before we get into this complaint. Even though Habakkuk feels like this, in the very couple verses down, we're going to find out that God has been listening and that God is going to do something about his prayer, just not in the way that he wants it. And so when we feel like God is not answering and we're praying to him and we're asking him, be reminded that God works in different ways than you and I. And so we should not lose faith. We should not be discouraged. Instead, we should actually study more. We should pray. We should stay faithful through those difficult times. And just like Habakkuk, we'll be able to find an answer through whatever struggles we are going through. And so this is where Habakkuk frustration stems from. 
And we're going to now get into actually what his complaint is. Verses 3 and verses 4 says, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So there it is. I hope you can catch what his complaint is. His complaint is why is there so much evil in Judah? There's so much evil happening. There's so much violence happening. There's so much strife. And he names a few of the things that's going on in Judah. He says here, for example, that the law is paralyzed. So people are ignoring God and his law. He also says that justice never prevails. You have the wicked that are, you know, casting judgment and justice upon the righteous. So what you have here is you have the evil ones that are taking control and doing whatever they want to do. And justice is now completely perverted. And this is a question that I think every single Christian is going to have to ask themselves in their lifetime. Lord, why is there so much evil in this world? And I've battled with this question myself too. And I've asked God, you know, Lord, if you're a good God, why don't you just do something about all this evil that's going on? Why don't you clean up this mess? And again, we're not alone when we go through those questions. We're not alone when we're asking those difficult questions because the Bible does have some answers for us and God does have an answer for us as well. But the point is, is, is this. Habakkuk is, compl- is complaining that there is no judgment and that God, are you going to do anything about it? So that's his first complaint. And God actually answers him. He answers him in verse 5. So let's read verse 5. And God tells him, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. (laughs) This to me, this is such a funny verse to me. Because God answers him and God says, I'm going to do something. It's going to be amazing. And I'm going to do something that you would not even believe if I, told, if I tell you about it. But it's funny because God does tell him what he's going to do. But I think this language just, just shows us, uh, you know, God saying to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I'm going to tell you, but you're not even going to believe it. Because of whatever my answer is, it doesn't really fit into how you want me to answer it. And, and you see, that's how God operates. He doesn't operate on our level. He operates on his level and his understanding and his wisdom. And so he kind of warns Habakkuk by telling him, I'm going to do something, but uh, you won't believe it. (laughs) And then he actually tells him what he's going to do in verse 6. So this is an answer to Habakkuk's question or his complaint that he had. And in verse 6, he tells him, I'm raising up the Babylonians. So he tells him right there in verse 6 that Babylon is coming to punish the wicked and to punish the wickedness that is happening in Judah. And so here's something that we we should understand is that God is going to punish sin and evil. And it appears like, you know, for a moment evil has won. But all of these horrible things like murder, rape, you know, violence, injustice, God is going to avenge and he is going to make things right. And I know it's kind of hard for us to process this because when we look at the news, we just see innocent people being killed in war. Right? And we ask, God, when are you going to do this? Can you stop this? 
But the lesson is, is really important here for us. And it's a lesson that, that I think as Christians, we should also learn that God is going to bring judgment. You know, He is going to deal with every single evil thing that has ever been committed and He's going to put an end to it. Again, it's not maybe in the way we want Him to do it, but God is aware of what's going on. He's not up there sleeping and just letting things slide. He knows what's going on and He's going to deal with it. And that's what He tells Habakkuk, I'm going to deal with this problem. If we read a, a little bit more, you can read from verses 6 all the way to 11 and you get an insight as to who these Babylonians are. And some of your translations have Chaldeans, which are the same people. So I'll just kind of point out a few things so that you can, so that I can paint this picture of who these Babylonians are. In verse 6, it says that they are ruthless people, right? They sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places that are not their own. So, the, I mean, this, this nation is, I mean, they are feared. I mean, they come in and they take what they want, right? Verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, 11. They give us all of these like different, different analogies as to who, who they are. It talks about that, you know, their horses are faster than, than leopards, you know. They fly like eagles swooping down to devour. So, you know, they mock kings and they scoff at rulers. I mean, these guys, I mean, these guys are no joke, right? They're ruthless. They have no mercy. You know, when they come... They show up and they tear things into pieces. And so God tells Habakkuk that he's going to answer his request and he's going to do it through Babylon. And this is where Habakkuk's second complaint stems from because Habakkuk is not satisfied with God's answer. And I just think of my own personal life, you know, when I pray and when I ask God for certain things and when he answers, a lot of times I'm like, man, God, why did you have to answer it in that way <laughs> you know I don't like the answer you know maybe I shouldn't have prayed for it because the answer you're giving me I don't like <laughs> but that's 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 where Habakkuk's second question comes from because now we're gonna dig and we're gonna see what his second complaint is so let's look at verse 12 and verse 13 and verse 12 says Lord are you not from everlasting my God my holy one you will never die you, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. So talking about Babylon, you've appointed Babylon to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate this treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up the more righteous than themselves? So here's his now second complaint. How can a just God use wicked Babylon to punish a people. And this is where his, his problem really is because now Habakkuk is now, first he was troubled that there was no judgment against Judah. And so God answered him by telling him that, hey, judgment is coming. And then Habakkuk is troubled by the way that God is going to do it because Babylon is evil as well. So God must punish them for these things, yet God is going to allow their sin to go on further and increase by punish his own people with them. You know, how can a righteous God use wicked Babylon to discipline and punish his own people? And that's now where Habakkuk has a huge problem. Now, let me give you an example. Imagine you're in a group of friends and all of your friends in that group, 
they are gossiping and they are making fun of everybody and they are just not treating people so well. You know, they're lying, they're tearing people's characters down. And as, as a friend, you realize that, hey, you guys shouldn't be really doing this. And so what you do is you pray to God and you say, Lord, can you please deal with my friends? I mean, they're just, they're, they're rude and they're not very nice people. They need a change of heart. Like do something about it, God, because you're spreading lies and gossiping and, and doing so many other things. And uh, God answers. And the way that God answers with that situation is that God sends a bully who is known for beating up people. <laughs> so now we, he sends a bully that, that, that gets physical this bully is not just a verbal bully. He, he's going to come down and he's going to fight you. And so we might say to a second, wait a minute, Lord. The problem is bad, but your cure is worse than the disease. Right? Because all your friends, I mean, they're bad, but they're verbally being rude to people. They're not physically hurting people. And now God's going to use someone, another bully, to deal with the bully. Like, how does that make sense with us? And, and that's where Habakkuk can't really comprehend why God would allow certain things to happen. And uh, Habakkuk goes on in verse 14, 15, 16, and 17 to explain to us who these people are. So let's read verse 14 and 15. He says that Babylon is so wicked, and he explains that you have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pull up all of them up with their hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. So what these two verses show us is that Habakkuk thinks that if Babylon does invade, then it will look utterly humiliating. Like fish is humiliated after being caught and dangled on a hook. And verse 16 and 17 says, Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns increase to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? And then again here, Habakkuk portrays Babylon as proud of their strength and wickedness. And, and that's why he uses right these words that are they going to keep on destroying nations without mercy? And so to, Hab to, to, to Habakkuk, the character of God would, would not allow this to go. And chapter 1 ends just like this, with his question, with his statement, with his complaint. And in chapter 2, in our next episode, we're going to deal with this question, or rather his second complaint. But I want you to really get this picture that Habakkuk is at this place right now where he doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it. He can't comprehend why God would do something like that. And he has to come to grasp, is he going to give up? Or is he going to stay faithful to God? Now, here's a couple lessons for us here. The first lesson that we can learn from Habakkuk is that we can be honest and open with God. See, just like Habakkuk, we should feel free to take our concerns, our questions, and complaints directly to God in the form of prayer. So, you know, are you struggling? Do you have these difficult questions? Go to God in prayer. Are you wondering why there's so much evil going on? Are you wondering why there's so many things around you happening? Go to God in prayer. You can complain to Him. You can be upset with God. You won't knock God on His throne. And when you're real and honest and open, your relationship with Christ is going to flourish. Here's the next lesson for us that we can learn from Habakkuk. 
God is going to ultimately bring justice. And God is going to judge everything and every single evil thing that has happened. God will confront evil. So take courage to know that God is, is going to do something about sin. And the next thing, the last lesson that we can learn is that we should never give up on our faith. God is sovereign and supreme. The Lord is in charge. He is in control. He knows what's best. And so what we should do is trust him and not lose faith. And so today I want to pray for you and I want, I want us to, to get a better understanding of, of who God is and by understanding who God is, we're going to fall more in love with him. Join me in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you. And if there is someone that is listening and needs to be encouraged, I ask that your presence will be close to them at this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining. Stay tuned for chapter two and see you next time.